Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Ernest Hancock, cock to you from Midfest in Spavanaugh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. This is our last stop uh, before Don and I get back there. After three years, we're going to be permanently back in Arizona building, and then I got a whole new battle with the man. It's going to be, you'll own nothing, and here's your happy shot. And I'm like, yeah, well, I got some land, and suck it uh, we'll see what happens it's going to be interesting so that's a whole nother chapter of we're going to do some butt weapon because i know this is where this is going it's a land thing it's a you're not allowed thing it's an anti-freedom thing this is what we're going to be talking about today with a good friend jacob hornberger now jacob hornberger is founder and president of the future of freedom foundation i gotta just show you some pictures you know for jacob now he was born and raised in laredo texas so he's familiar with border state like being in arizona when i first moved there in the early 70s it was not a big deal you know i mean you worked and lived across the border back and forth there then then something happened i don't know what happened what happened you know we're gonna find out and he received his ba in economics from from virginia military institute his law degree from university of texas he was a trial attorney for 12 years in texas he also was an adjunct professor at the University of Dallas, where he taught law and economics. In 87, Hornberger left the practice of law to become director of programs at the Foundation for Economic Education, FEE. He has advanced freedom and free markets on talk radio stations like this one several times all across the country, as well as on Fox News, Neil Cavuto, Greta Van Sustern shows. He's appeared as a regular commentator on Judge Andrew Napolitano's show, Freedom Watch, and he is all over the country all of the time. Now, he's also a libertarian. And, you know, he's gotten involved in libertarian politics over the years and decades that I've known him. And he's always been a touchstone for many issues, but mainly a no compromise, freedom's the answer, what's the question kind of thing. I've always been a supporter whenever Jacob's running, doing anything like I, 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 I vote Jacob. When I voted. So this is going to be, so voting is a whole other thing I'm sure we'll talk about too. But this is the issue that uh, we want to talk about, open borders. Now, libertarians in general and the platform and uh, certainly Jacob has been 
open borders. Now, we're going to define what that means. It means open border. It means you, you, if you can't travel from one point to another point without the man, um, you know, papers, please, you're not as free as you think you are. And this is the one thing that um, is really, really, really coming up lately, and it's a touchy issue, and I wanted someone as articulate as Jacob Hornberger to run for President Day, United States of America on the Libertarian ticket to explain it from his perspective. Mine, I, you can never be open border enough. You can never be closed border enough. Like you can never be Christian enough or atheist enough. There's always that little how many, you know, libertarians can dance on the head of a you know, open border pen. So this has been an issue that I think is building up, is very important, and to understand what's really going on. Because you have a, this travel getting thing going on. Uh, James Corbett just did a piece on this to where now it's, um, yep, you. You want to have an open border? You want to travel? Not a problem. You just got to sign up for the digital gulag in the world government. Then you can have your open border, you know? So this is where this is going. It's it's always, for me, freedom's the answer. What's the question? What about open borders? Freedom's the answer. What's the question? But there are other issues get involved. And do you fix this first before you open the border or just open the border? Freedom's the answer. Freaking just do it. So we're going to talk about that. I lean that way. So we're going to, you know, all your presuppositions, all, all, all your, you're convinced already, you know, we got to, got to protect, got to, got to. Who's doing it? Under what conditions? Do you feel freer? And then we got Biden wanting to build the wall now. Is that the, you know, does the barbed wire tilt in? <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to be, oh, corralled and corralled and corralled. All right, so this is what we want to do. I'm going to just show you. Oh, and he's so pretty. Here we go. Jacob Hornberger. There he is. All right. Now, Jacob, this is, first, I think you should probably give your libertarian bona fides. You know, you're going to be running for president day and why this issue is top of your page. I mean, that's one thing. You're running for president, and there it is. Open borders. Boom. Repeal Social Security. Repeal Medicare. Repeal drug laws. Restore sound money. Restore the republic. No nuclear war. Eh, I might have moved that nuclear war up a couple of spaces. But, you know, (laughs) I vote no nuclear war. So open borders is a thing. So go ahead and let's talk about that thing, Jacob. Well, thank you, Ernie. It's great to be back here. You guys, you and I go back a long ways, <laughs> a couple of decades, maybe at mm-hmm. least. And it's always, I've been on your show a number of times Mid-90s, over the years. Yeah. And so it's always an honor to be back with you. Thank you. And uh, th- thank you for inviting me to share my perspectives with you. Uh, yeah, I, the way I figured it is, is that I'm running for this office, President of the United States and the Libertarian Party presidential nomination. For two major reasons. I, I want to live in a free society. I mean, when I discovered libertarianism um, many years ago in my late 20s, um, and I realized I had this breakthrough, like all libertarians do, that I'd been lied to. Lied it was all part to. of the indoctrination. That, w- uh, you know, I've been taught we live in a free society. Thank God I'm an American because at least I know I'm free kind of stuff. And then I broke through and I realized this is a lie. I'm not living in a free society. And at that point, I decided 
I want to know what it's like to live in a genuinely free society before I pass from this earth. And um, now, you know, as you get older and you, you get into your 70s, you realize that statistically speaking, you, you, you're getting closer to that point where you may pass and not experience that free society. Well, I haven't given up like many libertarians have. I am still determined to achieve that free society in my lifetime. And then the second reason is that the federal government has a death machine, a killing machine. Martin Luther King uh, pointed out that the federal government, especially the national security branch of the government, is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. And nobody can deny that. We're number one when it comes to killing. I don't know how many people they've killed in the last 70 years, but it certainly has to number in the millions. I want to bring that to an end. Now, we're talking about invasions, occupations, coups, sanctions, alliances with dictatorial regimes, ginning up wars like they've done with Ukraine and Russia. But there's also the, well, the drug war, of course, there's a lot of death there, but also this socialist system of immigration controls. Uh, You pointed out that I grew up on the border, uh, not just in a border state like you did. I grew up on the border itself uh, in Laredo, Texas. I grew up on a farm on the Rio Grande. We irrigated out of the river. We hired illegal immigrants. They were the hardest working people I've ever seen. They lived there on the farm with us. And so I've seen this crisis. I lived about almost half my life on the border. I know border life uh, backwards and forwards. And I've seen this perpetual crisis all my life. Um, It has never gone away. I mean, that's what a lot of people tend to forget that we see all these paroxysms of anxiety and depression of, oh my gosh, the border's open, the immigrants are flooding in. People forget that this this anxiety has been experienced for at least 70 years. The crisis has never gone away, no matter what they've done. And as you know, Ernie, on the border, they've slowly, over the years, the decades, amplified the police state they have down there to enforce their socialist system. Now, 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 let me back up a minute and point out why this is a socialist system. It's based on the socialist principle of central planning. You've got government officials that are deciding how many immigrants should be permitted to come in, how many from each country, what their credentials are going to be. They study the labor market in the United States, and they try to put all this together. This is what central planning is as compared to a free market. Ludwig von Mises pointed out central planning leads to planned chaos. I mean, what better term to to describe what's going on along the border? It would seem so. (laughs) Yeah, planned chaos. All right, to enforce this system, because obviously... Okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we go further on that, I want to dwell on that one a little bit. Okay. The planned chaos, I mean, that. I'm glad you said that, because it seems way more orchestrated than, you know, you would think. And when you start to find out as we dip into this, even a libertarian is like, yeah, come on in. Here's an airline ticket, bus ticket, a phone, a, a credit card. Uh, you get the God, you get, you get, you get. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It seems planned. It seems like there's, you know, it's planned from where they come from, you know, the conduit of them getting here, they get here, what they get to get to wherever they want to go kind of stuff. There's some, there's something more planned. Just how planned do you think this immigration thing is? Well, what what's planned is the system itself. It's, it's not that they're planning 
um, and helping people come into the United States. It's that they've got a certain system that says only this number of people will be permitted to come in legally and everybody else is not permitted to come in. That's the rule. That's that's the system. It's the problem. That if you're if you're not on the approved list, you don't come in. So there's a great big sign there, you know, do not enter. Well, the problem is that people enter anyway. This is the laws of supply and demand. You can't repeal the laws of supply and demand even though Congress and proponents of this system believe you can. There's a huge demand for labor in the United States and People can notice that because of the prices that are being offered, the wage rates. And so people say, to heck with your do not enter sign. I'm going to circumvent your controls. And so that's when they start trespassing on farms and ranches. They start sneaking in and so forth. Because the planner, the central planner, has misallocated. He's miscalculated. I mean, this is the the central defect of central planning. They can't do it. Hayek called it the fatal conceit of the planner that thinks that he's going to plan what is really one of the most complex labor markets in history. So as people start circumventing this plan, this central plan of the government, they impose a police state to enforce their do not enter sign. And that's where the Border Patrol were were brought into existence. Uh, now it's uh, they have ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They have a massive police state along the border, and you know about it because you live in Arizona. You've got warrantless searches of farms and ranches, not only on the border. I mean, that's where they usually take 100 place. 100 miles from the border. The border is 100, 100 miles. miles now. Yeah, that's like two-thirds of the population. You can't go to Yuma, go- south of Tucson, anywhere, you, yeah, <laughs> southern Arizona. You're getting stopped all the time. Immigration got a checkpoint. And I'm like... I don't like it, especially the locals that are there. We've gone through people that live there have to go through this all the time. So I'm, no, no, this 100-mile-from-border thing is just a nib. Then it's 200. Then it's three. Then it's whatever. You know, so I no, I'm not a fan of that. Well, yeah, and you, you've seen those highway checkpoints. You have that pastor down there that, that refused to stop and answer questions in Arizona, and they, they knocked in his window and beat the crap out uh, of him. Dragged him out, beat him up. I mean, this is what a police state's all about. And this is what proponents of immigration controls favor because they want this system to work. And the only way they think it can work is by enforcing it. There's no other way. It's like thunder coming with lightning. Uh, you've got uh, roving Border Patrol checkpoints. I was the victim of one of those in high school where the Border Patrol just randomly picks out a car and turns on his flashing lights and says, pull over. And when the guy pulled me over, I said, uh, you don't have jurisdiction to pull me over. You know, no broken tail light. They can't enforce those anyway, or speeding <laughs> violations. They can't enforce. It was just an arbitrary stop. And he says, open up your trunk, get out of your car and open your trunk. I said, you don't have the jurisdiction. You don't have a warrant. And I was a high school student at the time, but my dad was a lawyer. And so he says, oh, don't you know the drug problem we're having? And I said, well, that even proves it. You you don't have the, the jurisdiction to enforce drug laws. Only the DEA does that. He says, well, I'm looking for illegal immigrants. And if I find drugs, well, this is what a police state is all about. Uh, in addition to making it illegal to hire illegal immigrants, even though that was not illegal when I was growing up, uh, transport illegal immigrants, harbor illegal immigrants. They just, 
they they um, recently indicted and prosecuted a guy who gave water and and uh, uh, um, helped out and uh, some illegal immigrants that were like dying of thirst and dehydration and so they prosecuted this guy. Fortunately, the jury came back with with nullification and found him not guilty. But this is the system, Ernie. This is what we live under down there on the border, a police state. That doesn't work. Okay, okay, so well, look at okay you, now this is this is no it's a police state. I I agree with it. those that haven't lived it. You think you're in a free country. You're just driving around Arizona, you're going to California, you come through and kind of papers please, are you a US citizen? And this is what I started doing. They always ask, Are you a US citizen? Okay? Well if I wasn't, you know, um uh yet. You know, you going to tell them? I mean, it's just so dumb. So what I did is I started doing, I started videotaping. I was at, at Howard. Howard Blitz is a uh, common friend of ours that lives in Tucson, uh, Yuma. And he was having an event that I was speaking at and so on, coming back to Phoenix. And I'm going through it again. I put the video camera back when they used to have magnetic tape in them. It was years ago. And I put it on the dashboard. And I'm going, you know. They're going to ask for a U.S. citizen. I'm going, okay, I'm going to try something because they're pissing me off. So we get there, and he goes, are you a U.S. citizen? I go, I was born in Florida. <laughs> what? I go, I was born in Dade City, Florida. I go, hey, man, I, I guess that make, they say that makes me a citizen. You know, I was there, but I don't remember it. It seems like a legal question to me, you know. So I'm just like, that go, man. Just freaking, you know, it's, you're one of them. You know, it's just just move along. But the point was, is I'm going, you're a U.S. citizen. It seems like they want to claim you. Oh, you admitted you're one of our slaves. Yep, you know, you, you self-branded, you know. So I'm just like, God, it just bothers me. Now, the real problem is, is that uh, people look at the violence, now, this is when the Obama administration, fast and furious, is selling, you know, firearms to drug cartels, killing border guards. And then, they oh, damn, we got caught doing that, you know. And I'm just like, and then they just kind of sweep it under the rug, forget about it and don't do it. They, they're the ones creating the violence. You know, I mean, it's just with the drug war, they're creating the violence with all the stuff. It's just stupid. So people focus on the problems saying that, well, immigration controls the solution. And I'm just, and I know from first time, I know that's BS. I know that's not the problem. The real problem is, you know, that they, they're afraid. And there's a lot, and their bad guys are coming, you know. But then you get in the, you know, Freedom's answer, what's the question? How am I able to defend against MS-13 teardrop tattoo guy coming to rape and pillage the country of the whatever? Well, I should be able to defend myself. That solve deterrence and demise. That solves a bunch of problems. No, nope, no, nope, not allowed. Got to have monopoly of four. We're the ones going to protect you when we feel like it. You know. Then it's it's just this. It's just a stack on stack on stack on crap on my freedoms. It's always a layer cake of excuses to take my freedom away. And I'm just. But there are issues. So you have you know all this wave of humanity coming to America. Means cheap labor. Well, they go. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You can't have you know cheap labor for people that need stuff done because we want to be the cheap labor. America, do it. Okay, we'll get your butt over here and do it. I'll pay you twice as much. Nah, I'm getting universal basic income, welfare, kind of sit on my ass. So I'm just like, it, it's all a lie. So I'm just all right. So the problems, you know, here we get 
a war. They're bringing in, there's a bunch of Chinese in there. There's a bunch of people coming in. They're going to Islamic, uh, whatever. They're not Hispanic. They're from the middle. They're an Ahab, you know, and they got uh, AK-47s waiting for them, you know, something. So when they do this, then you got a real issue people are concerned about. They're going, whoa, man, we just got Hamas doing And they're, all they have to do, a little real flag, false flag, maybe flag of whatever somewhere, and they're going, see, see, see. So these are, there's, now we talked about how much we experience by living on the border and the amount of psychopathy that goes along with that from the government. But there are issues They'll bring up the poster child that got raped and killed by the illegal immigrant of whatever the heck. And I'm just going, okay, this is something that I want to make sure that we address, that we talk about what people are concerned about. You know, they're concerned about, you know, their safety. They're concerned about their health. Is anybody checking them for TB or something? They could have AIDS. I mean, you know, it's, it's on and on and on and on. Ooh, and, and, then, and then COVID's a big thing. Yeah, but we don't test the immigrants, and we don't care about them. It's all a lie. Lie, 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 lie. Layer cake. I mean, you know, to the moon. So I want to know when you have what legitimate problems that you feel we have there are. You know, maybe it's just resources. Maybe it's water. You know what I mean? Maybe whatever that we have from a bunch of people that are leaving their unfree area to come here to more freedom and then become less free anyway. But, you know, I want to know what the legitimate concerns that you have and how would they be addressed for America of having a lot of immigration coming into this country. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what readers of FreemasPhoenix.com get every day. Readers of FreemasPhoenix.com are constantly provided the information that detail the real news between the lines of propaganda about government policies and the true relationship we all have with coercive governments. Learn the true condition of our economy, innovations and technological breakthroughs in energy, health, computer science, and space travel. Learn the truth well before it's admitted to in the lamestream media, the media that is so last century. Corporate media has evolved into nothing more than distributors of government propaganda. But we now have a fantastic alternative. FreedomsPhoenix.com provides constant news updates on the issues that affect our lives in the most important ways. Our liberty and our property are under constant attack, and FreedomsPhoenix.com provides an understanding behind the propaganda while encouraging the participation of our readers. Join us at FreedomsPhoenix.com. That's Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. FreedomsPhoenix.com, where the revolution between the ears is already matured. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're talking to Jacob Hornberger. He's a longtime libertarian from back in the day, running for President Day, United States of America. And he's advocating for open borders and describing that and defining it and making sure we understand what the issues are. Well, I think this is a really good education on at least understanding that perspective and what we're up against and why. I think we're going to all get educated. Immigration coming into this country. Go. All right. Let me let me first amplify what you said about the checkpoints. You know, people that have never experienced these highway checkpoints um, and need to understand that, that when they stop you and ask for your papers or are you a citizen, um, this is stopping people who have never gone into Mexico. I mean, in Arizona, they have them on right. east west highways run the east west. Yep. Now in Laredo, they have a checkpoint north of Laredo. Now remember, Laredo is on the border on the Rio Grande. So you you drive about forty miles north of Laredo and you come over the crest of a hill and you think you're in Mexico because you're approaching this huge immigration station. It's like really surreal. And they they can have you get out of your car and open your trunk. Um, they can do a complete search. The, the Supreme Court says this is the functional equivalent of the border. I mean, that's a weird, surreal uh, name. But in Laredo, Ernie, when I was there practicing law and jury panels, when we would select juries, I would estimate about 20 to 25 percent of the jury panel could not speak or write English. And and everybody was very kind and courteous, the judge. Nobody berated them about, oh, you haven't assimilated after 200 years of Texas being part of the United States. Everybody was very nice and courteous because they don't care. I mean, Laredo at that time was about 97% of Mexican origin. Well, when these people that cannot speak English go to that checkpoint, they have to have their papers. They have to have their passport. Um, and I know this because we had a nanny growing up who was an American citizen, but her parents had been here illegal. She she was born here, but she never learned English. And if she forgot her paper, she would take the bus to go visit my siblings in San Antonio or Dallas. If she forgot her passport, they would take her off the bus and send her back to Laredo and possibly even send her back to Mexico or send her to Mexico. Uh, this is what life's like in a police state. Now, you raise a really good issue as to what the, the flood of immigrants coming into the United States. And, and, but let me point out that this flood of immigrants, which they're the, the proponents of this system are calling open borders, is really a failure of the system. And that's an important distinction here. It's not that there are open borders along the borders. They have a police state along the borders. It's that their system has not worked and isn't work and, and will never work. But we also have to look at U.S. foreign policy in terms of understanding the huge volume of immigrants that are coming in. And this is what a lot of people don't want to confront because that means confronting the wrongdoing of the federal government, which many people consider as a god. You, you don't want to criticize God. Well, I have no reservations about criticizing the federal government because I don't consider it a god. But if you take, for example, the drug war, in Mexico especially, 
that war is at the behest of the U.S. government. It has destroyed Mexico. I mean, that's where the cartels come from because of the drug war, because of drug prohibition. Massive violence all over Latin America, Central America, Colombia. This is all U.S. inspired. So you have this massive violence in these countries where these cartels are killing people, kidnapping people. People are just trying to save the lives of their children, their spouses. They're escaping this violence that the U.S. has caused. So if you legalize drugs, you get rid of the drug war, that then releases the pressure on people to escape and try to save their lives. The second thing is is U.S. interventionism in terms of coups and sanctions that they've engaged in in Latin America for decades. And we see this in Venezuela, for example. I mean, we have this huge influx of Venezuelan immigrants. We have sanctions against uh, Venezuela with the idea of of targeting the, the populace with death. I mean, that's what the purpose of the sanctions is, is to try to kill Venezuelan people so that they will revolt against their own regime. And then all of a sudden foreign aid can flood in. So these immigrants say, my gosh, we're going to die of starvation from both the socialism and the sanctions, the socialism of, of the Maduro ma- regime, or we go to the United States and try to save our lives. Well, duh, who's not going to choose the second option? But if all of a sudden you lift these sanctions, that releases the pressure in terms of trying to save your life, and then you you diminish this massive flood into the United States. So would there still be immigrants coming in uh, that are in excess of the central plan? Absolutely. But that only goes to show, once again, as I said, this system doesn't work. It's never worked. But the proponents of this system cannot confront that. And so they go off on this lark of, oh, we have open borders in the southern border. We have open borders. Open borders, genuine open borders from a libertarian standpoint means no police state, no highway checkpoints, no border patrol. No immigration restrictions. No restrictions on goods, services, and people crossing borders. That is not what we have on the United States uh, border. We have a police state there. Okay. When you say open borders, you know, it's not a police state. We're going to have the free flow of, you know, goods and services and people. And I remember, God, was it um, uh, NACO? NACO, Arizona, NACO, Mexico. I've been down there before. And you see... Here, show these pictures. I want to show, this is what I see when I go to, let me get it back to where it has the the fence line. Because this right here, you'll go up to, um, this is one that has the wall going um, into the hills and far. And usually it's not like this, but imagine there's a big wall. Then you have um, uh, Naco, Mexico. And Arizona is like in the distance there, you'll see a border town on both sides. Well, it used to be that you'd live in Mexico, work at a factory in America, lived in America, worked at the cement factory in Mexico. I mean, it was like, it was not a big deal. And it kept getting more and more restrictive. Well, that wall would be there and you'd CNN cameras would get up next to the wall and they'd look to the left and it looks like it goes into infinity. They look to the right. It looks like it goes to infinity. You back up 10 feet and you'll see it ends about a mile down the thing. 
Okay? So we drove down to the end of the wall, and I had them videotape me, and I'd step across, and i go, I'm in Mexico, I'm in the U.S. I'm in Mexico, I'm in the U.S. You know? I'm just, yeah, I'll show you, you know, so people can see. I go like this. I go, I'm in Mexico, I'm in the U.S. I'm in Mexico, I'm in the U.S. It was ridiculous. And I'm just going, come on, what the heck is going on? And this is one thing. The guys that we went down with... <clears throat> He was a you know conservative Republican you know kick ass kind of guy, but we were friendly. We did you know a lot of uh, Second Amendment stuff in Phoenix, so he wanted me to go down with him. And what he did was a construction uh, contractor guy he built churches, and what he did is they made uh, these big signs that had numbers on them. You know they're probably like you know four feet high, you know five feet high, four feet wide. It was a pretty big sign, you know, black on yellow. And what it was for is when they would call in a breach, you know, a border crossing or something like that. Yeah, number, you know, at the marker forty-five on the wall, go kick some ass or something. So. But these signs were so faded that you couldn't see what the numbers were. So this is their America, you know, their America duty. They made new signs. So they went up on the fence, took down the old one, put the new one up there. Now you can read it. You can see, you know, we, we can call it in better, okay? The Border Patrol came and yelled at them, you're not allowed to change the sign of doing what... And this is kind of the point that they were making, that the Border Patrol itself, it was just, it was who got paid who who got you know whatever who was you know didn't look who didn't care who got they didn't care and then there was a a group that had cameras that was in the the um uh dry river bed that was coming across there was that you know night infrared camera you could just see a bunch of people backpacks bringing drugs people doing whatever the heck they were muling whatever across so these guys were like they had remote control airplanes and this is back before drones and so on this was in um you know, before 2000, I think, you know, right around 2000, around in there. And so this is 20 years ago. So what they did is they had remote control airplanes that they were driving the surveillance and taking pictures of and so on. Then they had a really tall, like 60 foot tower with a camera, uh, infrared camera on it that was 24 seven on the web. And they were just watching. And this is when the, you know, the Minutemen was a big thing and the board. I went through all that. I went and interviewed everybody, took video pictures, did stories on them, Freeman's Phoenix. It was a thing. On my radio show, we talked about it. I went there, did it, okay? And what happens is they call the Border Patrol and they go, look, look at our 24-7 infrared. We're watching them go across with backpacks. We're looking at it live right now. There it is. Eh, you know. There's no inbox memo saying we got anything, so we're not doing anything. This was the point that they were making, that it was it was subjective. It was when they had to make a big press thing, when they wanted to put on a show. When they, So it's either way. If they, oh, we got the military base on the border, well, they still don't do anything. It's not about immigration. It's about control. It's about theater it's about votes it's about money it's about it's not anything about your freedom or theirs or any so regardless of whether you want to have you know the, the border shut down by whom you know the federal government i don't trust them in arizona or any other state then you had the people then you had, you know, people there in Arizona, screw it, we'll do it. So the people would go down, they'd work with them, they would deterrent, and do it, but then they would get in trouble for doing it. And this is the problem that I had. I go, not until you have private property on the border. So then they bought, 
And then there's later you find out there's a bunch of, you know, embezzlement and scammy, whatever crap happens. But the idea was, and even Donna's a real estate agent, she helped them find some land or was looking for them, and they finally found something else. But what they did is they got a ranch that was on the border. Can they defend their private property from immigrants that are coming across onto their property? That was their thing, okay? You can't come this my lamp. Nope, you can't defend your property. What the hell is government good for? If they're not there to defend my property rights or my individual rights, then what the hell are they there for? So this was a really good test for me, is that they had a ranch that they owned, because the rancher there was willing to sell because he was getting abused and, you know, all kinds of stuff by immigrants taking, breaking stuff, whatever. So they buy it. They put up their own fence. They got it. We got it covered. We're, you know, guard guard the ranch, you know. Then the U.S. government comes in. You're not allowed to. This whole thing is broken. The emphasis is wrong. So on that circumstance, God, what do they call themselves? Minutemen or something. You know, the um, uh, on that circumstance, if I have private property up against the border and I got my ranch, I've, you know, I defend against trespassers. I don't care which way they come from. What's your thought on that, Jacob? Well, you know, we had the same experience. You know, our farm was on the Rio Grande. We had illegal immigrants. And my dad um, certainly did not want our farm to be a crossing point for illegal immigrants. He was concerned about his family. But it's important to point something out. The reason they're trespassing is because of the system. That with a a system of open borders, people then can cross the border like human beings. They don't have to go in a desert over there in New Mexico or Arizona to cross. They don't have to trespass onto people's farms and ranches. They just cross the International Bridge at Laredo and grab a bus and head north, just like human beings do. The only reason they're trespassing onto private farms and ranches is because of this system of immigration controls. They're circumventing the system. And this is what's important to recognize in all this, Ernie, that their system is not broken. It's inherently defective. It's a socialist system. Socialism cannot work. And what I find so amusing in all this, I mean, you and I have been talking about this issue for 30 years, I think, since the 90s. And it never goes away. And that's because this system has never worked. And I'm amused by the fact that there's still immigration control proponents saying, Jacob, we got to make this system work. We're going to make this system work, including libertarians. They're convinced that if they put a libertarian in charge of the border patrol or in charge of ICE or is elected president, he's going to make this system work. It's ridiculous. It's an inherently defective system. And I've been saying for at least 30 years, there is only one solution to this, and that's genuine open borders. Get rid of all these restrictions. Now, if that were to happen, that means that people cross the border freely back and forth. You would not even know who was a Mexican citizen. The crisis would be over tomorrow. In Laredo, we had open borders. Laredo was was the only city in the United States when I was growing up that celebrated George Washington's birthday which was kind of strange because Loretto had been part of Mexico and the Spanish Empire, but they were celebrating after they became part of the United States. 
the, the celebrating George Washington's birthday. Well, huge parade downtown with floats and the debutantes would be presented on the floats. And there was a debutante ball. There was a jalapeno festival, uh, Noche Mexicana, um, all, all about four or five days of, of a great big festivity. Well, get get this. They would open the border between Laredo and Nuevo Laredo every George Washington's birthday celebration for about four or five days where people from Nuevo Laredo were free to just cross the bridge. That The Border Patrol would stand down. The Immigration Service would stand down. I don't know how they pull this off, but everybody could come in and enjoy the festivities. You didn't know who was a Mexican citizen. You didn't care. I mean, most people in Laredo were speaking Spanish anyway. So like on Noche Mexicana, which was, you know, downtown in, in Juarez Plaza downtown, uh, people were having a great time, you know, partying and there were mariachis and stuff. And <laughs> you couldn't tell who was a Mexican citizen. You didn't care. That's how open borders work. People just come into the United States. You interact with them just like you do today. You go into McDonald's and you hear somebody speaking Spanish there in the back. You don't go in there. Oh, my gosh, that's that might be a Mexican citizen here illegally. You don't care. Walmart doesn't have a sign that says you cannot come in here if you're an illegal immigrant and we're going to ask for your papers. It doesn't matter to people. And so when you have a system of open borders, the crisis goes away immediately. The deaths go away. Um, Everything becomes harmonious. The only people who care about citizenship at that point are election officials on on election day, where they say, we want to see your voter registration card. Other than that, it's just human beings. And they don't care either. Well, yeah, they they do. They they do where I can. They they ask for my card when I go vote. But but let's set that aside. What what I'm saying is is that when people are free just to to transact business, they retain their citizenship. You see, there's obsession with these people becoming citizens. There's no reason for people that come into the United States to change their citizenship. They come in seasonally. They work. They make some money. They go back. The reason there's this obsession with citizenship is because people are scared to go back to their country because they they got to come back in illegally. So that that was the original American system is you you come in, you become an American citizen if you want to, you're not required to. I have a friend who's Japanese. She's been here for 30 years. She's never given up her Japanese citizenship. Who cares? I don't care that she's a Japanese citizen. Yeah, I Why talk, would I care? I want to talk about this voting thing a little bit because, you know, I know this for a fact, man. I've had plenty of uh, Hispanic employees that were, you know, uh, showed me papers. I mean, you know, but I, I, I knew they weren't legal. And uh, in the I-9 that employer fi- fills out, it says, under penalty of perjury, I have examined their documents and they appear to be genuine to me. And I'm like, hey, man, they didn't give me a class. You know, last I heard, you know, Uncle Sam was doing citizenship stuff on cocktail napkins. Don't care. Fog this mirror. You know, it was really, I did not care. The problem is, and they're my best employees, I mean, literally, they're very motivated. They wouldn't got off the couch to go America anyway. So, but on the voting thing, this is why, you know, and of course, you have the left and the progressives, the Democrats, whoever, they want to have this wave of support in the form of votes. So they try and make them to where they are legally able to vote. 
Anyone here to vote, to vote, to vote. I'm like, you're still voting? I mean, you know, so I I, I really, the, the whole thing is so broken at a fundamental level, but I want to get down to what that fundamental level is. What is the level that it's broken at? Why? You know, we just, you know, open the borders, come on in, do whatever, fine. But then in Arizona and Phoenix, we've had, i give you an example. One employee that I had at the restaurant, I worked at a restaurant chain, you know, then I went and opened my own pizza restaurant. So, and, and you know, I, we had our own businesses and so on, and I got burned, you know, real bad, and, you know, I couldn't do the chemicals and stuff that I was doing before. So I went back in the restaurant industry, worked for two, three years uh, for Pizza Hut. I was a general manager for Pizza Hut. Then I'm like, you guys are so whatever. I mean, we did well, and, then, you know, I was all respected and whatever, but it was so corporate, you know, it was so way too much government. They shut down the government. You couldn't hire anybody because you had to fill out this thing to go and see if you get an income tax credit, job tax credit through a whatever, but that program shut down, so you can't. I go, well, I'm not... I got a coupon drive coming. I'm hiring. Get over it. Fire me. I mean, you know, so I just do it. We're the only ones that of the chain that did well because we were able to staff up. And it's just, I just ignored the stupid crap. So I said, don't you guys ever change. You stay right there. I'm going to go open my own restaurant. So all my best employees went with me. Well, a lot of them were illegal immigrants. When they came in, all of a sudden they get a call from the IRS saying, Woo! You're number one of 13 using the same social security number. You're in trouble now. You know? So she... She was uh, one of my. She was became my assistant manager and knew her for years. And great family. Her sister in law came work for me. French. They give a recommendation. Absolutely, bring them in. So what happened was when I hired them, it would have under penalty of perjury that I've examined the documents. Yes, I did. And they would have something that you know. Yep, yep. I make a copy, staple it to the form. I'm good. You know, I'm covered. I looked at it. They didn't give me a class. You know, I said you get over it. So I said, no, the IRS doesn't care. They're not illegal immigrants, at least then. I don't know what they are now, but I go, they don't care. They just want you to have, they just want you to pay taxes, okay? So they, she goes to the IRS, they give her, uh, with a, you know, uh, uh, identification, tax identification number or something. So they give her the number, and she's good. They don't care. And I said, see, they just want the money. Well, of course, they can never get it back. They don't get any benefits, and they're paying in. So my experience with government and immigration is probably more extensive than a lot of people. You know, I've actually studied it. I went on the border. I've traveled. I, you know, philosophically understand, had employees that, you know, were from and hear their stories. Apart. And I'll tell you what it was. The big, it was freaking U.S. government. When they did NAFTA, <coughs> North American... Um, uh, free trade agreement, where the heck it was, they killed agriculture in Mexico. This was all about America getting to sell their GMO to whatever they And Mexico's pushing back now. Go, look, we don't want your GMO crap. You know, that's it. We're, we're, you know, grow like real food here, you know, and take care of our people. So when they did that, it killed all these farmers that had no other skills other than speaking Spanish and plowing fields. Uh, they got, you know, well, they need ditch diggers in America. 
Well, when they come up to America, you need a hard labor. Guess what they're doing? Hard labor. They're on construction sites and farms, picking lettuce, doing whatever the heck. And they bring their children with them. So what does America have? Free education. You know, they get to go to the hospital. They get, they get, they get. So they didn't want to leave home. They wanted to keep breathing in and out. That's what they wanted. So America provided that, and they were absorbed by the jobs that we didn't want to do. So then you get the labor unions, you get the politicians going, well, they, they're they taking our jobs. Okay, well, you do. I don't want to do that. You know, it's just so stupid, you know? So my thing is, is that I don't support stupid, and government is stupid. It's just stupid on so many levels. It's stupid, and it's a lie. So whatever they're telling you is big yeah, lie. But here we have war and threats and rumors of war. All right, I, I, I'll, I'll turn it to you after this. About two weeks ago, Jacob and I were going to do this show about yeah, almost two weeks ago, and we in bad connection it didn't work, so we rescheduled it. Since then, we got a war. You know, now we got a whole bunch of new issues. Yeah, but there's not a war. Well, now there's a war. You know, threats of war. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not Here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, and Free Talk Live Network on Genesis, talking with Jacob Hornberger. He's the director, founder of the Future of Freedom Foundation, been around for decades, and he's also an advocate for open borders from a principled standpoint. He's a longtime libertarian, very cool headed, reasonable, logical, understands the issues, makes a great argument for. And this is a good time as we have the border as a major issue. We have wars. We got a lot of reasons to talk about this issue, but you need another perspective to see what the real issues are going on. What, what, what's the real threat? 
Well, let's go ahead and give Jacob the opportunity to learnify us. We get educated from another perspective. I'm not here to change your mind or something, just give you more facts so you can have a better understanding of what the real issues are. Because there's always issues of what about the children? What about the environment? What about the dogs? What about, you know, whatever. There's always something. War and threats and rumors of war. This is an important issue. I hope that you're getting uh, a lot of information and some understanding with this conversation with Jacob Hornberger running for president of the United States of America, and uh, he's going through the nomination process with the Libertarian Party. So I've known Jacob a long time. This is just another perspective that you're not getting anywhere else. I think everyone will benefit from this conversation, and you'll learn something. Enjoy. So whatever they're telling you is big uh, lie, but here we have War and threats and rumors of war. All right, I'll I'll turn it to you after this. About two weeks ago, Jacob and I were going to do this show about, yeah, almost two weeks ago. And we were in bad connection and it didn't work, so we rescheduled it. Since then, we got a war. You know, now we got a whole bunch of new issues. Yeah, but there's not a war. Well, now there's a war, you know, threats of war. And what happened was we did the... um, uh, one day I was doing the email dispatch for Freedom's Phoenix, all those stories. We have 50, 70 stories a day. I mean a day. And this one day, it was, oh my goodness, what the hell is going on? It was um, war, pestilence, famine, death. And I go, today's the four horsemen of the apocalypse day. Okay, it's the four horsemen freaking what the heck. And I'm just as we get back to Arizona, I'm positive waves, man. I'm occupy the land. Everybody can suck it. We're going to take a totally different tact on this. You know, obviously, they're not going to provide us freedom. Obviously, they're not protecting freedom. Obviously, we're not going to be more free. Obviously. So we're going to have to take it ourselves, live it ourselves, and they can suck it. Well, I like having the idea that Jacob Hornberger be there advocating for that very thing. So, but now that we're at war, well, we're not at war. We're at, there's always a war. You know what I did? Freedom's Phoenix, we had to start off with, we got like 200 categories now, so much crap comes on. But I, we started off, well, you got to do economics, you got to do war, you got to do, you know, uh, uh, maybe immigration. You know, the main things, we start off like 20 categories, start putting stuff in, then we added categories. Well, the category, because they got hundreds, thousands. We had over 600,000 headlines on Freedom's Phoenix over the decades. Now, this is what I did. For war, what do you put? Just war? Do you put the Chinese, America war, Russia war, the this war, the European war, the Ukraine war, the Libyan war, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war? Which war? So I just put up there, I just put about war, about that war. Which war? I don't know the next one. I mean, it's all a continuous thing. And this was in 05 when we did this. It's just a continual war footing all the time. The threat, war, about that war. Which one? That one. What that one? The next one. I mean, it was just, and I remember antiwar.com had a campaign that we went around and it said, I'm already against the next war. Which war? The next one. I mean, it's just, it's just a BS thing. So now with the, Wars and rumors and threats of wars and the war. They want us to be afraid that there are cells that are coming in. And I'm going, 
You couldn't keep me out of any country I really, really earned you be creative wanted to get into. You know, if you got bad actors coming in want to terrorize doing something, they're coming. Hell, they'll, the CIA gives them freaking travel documents. I mean, you know, this, this is how this stuff happens. So I go, oh, they're coming in with the galloping hordes of... I go, yeah, if that's easier, if they want to, if they can. But they're coming. You know, if they're going to do it, they're coming. So that is just inconsequential to me. So I'm going, all right. So now you have the threat of terror cells. We're going to have false flags. We're going to have, we're going to have, going to have... What say you, Jacob Hornberger? What are you going to do about that, huh? Huh? Well, let me, let me first address your point about Pizza Hut, uh, where you were working. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it was illegal growing, when I was growing up. I mean, it was not illegal to hire illegal immigrants. I mean, we hired them on our farm. The Border Patrol could come onto our farm without a warrant uh, to search. And if they found illegal immigrants, which they did periodically, uh, they would bust them, cart them away, but they couldn't prosecute my dad for hiring them because it wasn't illegal. Now, if we put a lock on our gate, they would just shoot off the lock. I mean, that this is what a police state is to be able to come onto people's property without a search warrant. Well, then somebody, you know, you know, you often hear, oh, what we need is comprehensive immigration reform to solve the problem. Well, We've had comprehensive immigration control over the decades. And one of these comprehensive immigration reforms was somebody came up with the bright idea of making it illegal to hire illegal immigrants to pass a law. And so they did that. And and the, the logic was very rational. Well, if they don't have jobs, they won't come. And, and American employers are not going to take the risk of a misdemeanor or a felony conviction by hiring these people. Well, how's that worked out? As, as you point out, all of a sudden you get this whole false document uh, scenario taking place where they, they bring in the, the documents and the American employers want to hire illegal immigrants. They want to hire immigrants in general. The documents appear yeah. to be genuine to me. <laughs> exactly. Now, you know, sometimes there's still these huge misallocations like in, in California, there were farmers whose whose crops were just being decimated because they didn't have any workers to to come and harvest the crops. And they wanted the immigrants, but the central planners <laughs> had screwed up and not given enough not opened up the door enough. Uh, but American employers love immigrants, including the illegal immigrants. I mean, there's a reason why there's a, a more than what 10 million illegal immigrants in the United States is because American employers love to hire them. And you're right. They'll kind of look at the documents, but not real carefully. And then they, they come up with this Berlin wall that you showed a picture of. So anybody that suggests that there hasn't been reform, comprehensive reform is ridiculous. The fact is, is I have been, as I've been mentioning this this program, this system doesn't work. It will never work, no matter what reform they have. And the only thing that works is open borders. Now, your point about being afraid, well, you know, that's how they take control over Fear. us. They, they have to keep the people afraid, agitated. Oh, my gosh, the, the illegal immigrants are invading America. Oh, the terrorists are coming to get us. Well, a lot of the, the fear is generated by their interventions abroad. When they invade Afghanistan, when they invade Iraq, people get upset. And that's where the blowback then comes in and says, well, okay, you're over here killing us. We're going to go over there and kill you. Well, there's they a simple a border, solution to that. This is like border police state is going to solve all those problems we created. I'm sorry? I, 
You don't think a a border police state will solve oh, yeah. all the problems that they create? Exactly. And I'm going exactly. You know, it's just oh, it drives me nuts. But I I tell you, you know, my audience. Okay, this is what happened uh, behind the scenes. Why Jacob is here? Because sooner or later we gotta have Jacob on. He'd run for president anyway. So you know that, that happened. Um, a common friend of ours sent to him a story that Donna put up on Freedom's Feet, which we put left, right, for, against, whatever. Frosty, okay, well, let me tell this first. So what happened was it was a story about, and I read it because um, Howard had sent it to Jacob going, what do you think of this? You know, I can't believe Ernie put that up. Of course we put it up. I put up the arguments on all this. I don't care. One time we had, I think it was like, oh, six seven eight round one of our freedom summits that we did in casa grand casa grand is between phoenix and tucson it's a nice resort there it's a beautiful golf course it's out in the middle of the desert but very nice and casa grand is like uh you know a big house i know it's 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 got it's got spanish name anyway so as we were there one of the uh, the issue immigration was a big thing then too. This is when Arizona was passing SB 1070. We're going to check all the electric records and go round up all the illegal. You know they're really going after immigration in Arizona. Well, we had Jacob Hornberger there, of course, talking about this kind of stuff, open border freedom. You know, yada yada. Then on the other side is a guy named Frosty Wooldrich. Now Frosty. Rights, you see him a lot on Freedoms Phoenix. My left, right, for, against, don't care. As long as you're sincere, as long as you're not ad hominem, you know, you know, this guy's mom wears army boots, you know, whatever, you all that kind of crap. I don't need that. But if you're sincere, taking a position. Now, after a while, every now and then, I'd have Frosty come on the show, and I'd have this conversation. Well, explain it to me. Yeah, but what about what about what about getting all the freedom stuff? Well, what happened was he was arguing for we have to have a tight border gut, and this is what it came down to. Now, of course, Jacob, you know, defended open borders very well, slapped him around a little bit, but it came down to this: we have to have a national ID. You got nothing to hide. We need everybody. We got to check, make sure you're a real American. You know, this guy, this is how it works. If they want to have a closed border, they want to have a check border, do border of everybody kind of card carrying American, then you got to have card carrying papers to card carry your papers. Please check. That's what the solution is. And I'm going, man, I am so freaking so far away from that. I'm not playing that. But that's where it goes. I let them have their say. They come to Freedom so have their say. Our Freedom's Phoenix have their say. So these are all legitimate, you know, concerns that people have, but they don't understand why they're illegitimate because they're manufactured and created, and it's always I'm from the government here to help, and they're wanting they make it worse. You're not getting more freedom, and God forbid you live within a hundred miles of the border. You know, this is just so why a hundred? You know, and and that's when they just came out. I think it was Supreme Court. They go, well, you know, you kind of almost sort of not free if you're within 100 miles of the border. Who made that up? And and why is it only 100? When's it going to be, well, we're at a wartime. Wait till we got a real declared war. Wait till we got a real war. Boy, you're going to find a police state then in your pocket. I guarantee it. So that's why this issue is so important to me. Important to me enough 
that we have both sides represented on this show and on Freedoms Phoenix. I don't have, and one of the supports that we get from a lot of our uh, sponsors and supporters is that. It's that you're not afraid to openly discuss the issues. You let them stand on their own. You'll have both sides on. That's a trait, not a flaw. That is on purpose and intentional, which is why, you know, I always take the position that I do. You want to have a closed border? What do you need to do that? Big bubble government. And they ain't going to do it well, I guarantee. So when you say open border, they're not having to cross the desert and they're going to go on the road through a checkpoint somewhere. Are we facial scanning them as they go through? Are we getting a DNA sample? Or are you just high-fiving them? You know, fingerprints, just go, be gone with you. We have you go through here just so we can count. I mean, you know, why even have, you know, a checkpoint? Is there a checkpoint? What do you think? No checkpoint at all. Look, we're talking about freedom. Remember, we started out this program of why am I seeking the Libertarian Party presidential nomination? Why do I want to be the the representative of this party? Because I want to live in a free society. Look, every day people cross borders domestically. It didn't have to be that way. We could have had border checkpoints where each state controls who comes into the state. We, We know there's terrorists here domestically. There's murderers. There's rapists. There's robbers. Um, and yet, you know, there's countless people flooding in from Maryland into Virginia every day where I live. Nobody keeps count. Nobody's checking at the checkpoint at the border to see who's coming in, checking papers. Is he a robber? Does he have a criminal background? Is he What's from he Massachusetts? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that's what freedom is. And, and if we could if we could just transcend a, um, a minute here and go into the Libertarian Party, I mean, I'm the only advocate of this system of, of, of free markets. That's what it is. It's a free market. Every one of my opponents, in one way or another, wants this immigration socialism. And and most of it is right-wing oriented. Now, as you know, um, Ernie, the, the Libertarian Party for many years now has, has been referred to in the mainstream press as a right-wing party. Now, the conservative-oriented libertarians in the party think that's a compliment. I don't consider it a compliment that this party was never supposed to be a right wing party. When I joined the Libertarian Party in 1990, one of the reasons, well, the principal reason I joined was I read the platform and I was stunned at this pure libertarian manifesto, abolish Social Security, abolish Medicare, abolish Medicaid, abolish immigration controls, trade restrictions. I, I was excited about these principles. I still am excited about these principles. This None of these principles was right-wing. Today, it's known as a right-wing party because we've adopted in the party Republican-like positions on saving Social Security, school vouchers, uh, health savings account, keep Medicare, keep Medicaid, keep the welfare state, keep the whole warfare state. With the possible exception of the CIA, some of them are now saying, OK, well, let's abolish the CIA. Uh, but I mean, in other words, the whole paradigm of my opponents, all of them, is welfare, warfare, state reform, including a strict system of immigration controls. And here's what they're saying. They're saying that my system of liberty, which is the original system of the this party of principled libertarianism, cannot garner votes. It's the exact opposite, Ernie, that the presidential candidates in this party, as well as the congressional candidates, continue to get rejected. Their message continues to get rejected by a 98 to 99 percent rejection rate. 
They can't confront that. They 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 say, oh, well, it's only because we haven't gotten our message out. That's pure nonsense. The fact is they have gotten their message out, and American voters said, we don't like your message. Now, do Republicans like their message? Absolutely. They, they love this message of immigration controls that all of my opponents favor. But Republicans are going to vote for Republicans. They're not going to cross party lines and vote for a, a libertarian. Now, let me give you an example of what happened three years ago when I sought this party's nomination. I went into the primaries. We qualified in about nine primaries, pre-convention primaries. These are regular elections. This is not the inside the cocoon of a Libertarian Party convention where there's 75 to 100 people. These are real elections where people go to the polls. And I announced early on, I'm going to compete in these then these primaries, even though they're not binding, and I invited all my opponents, and they did. We all entered into these primaries. I took to the voters this principled message of abolish Social Security, abolish Medicare, abolish Medicaid, abolish immigration controls, open borders, dismantle the national security establishment. I won seven out of nine primaries with that message. And so my objective was, and it wasn't because of me, you know, nobody knows me. Uh, it was because people, there's a segment out there that likes this principled message. And I, what other explanation is there that I win seven out of nine primaries? Right now, the Wall Street Journal just reported a poll for the presidential race that reflects that the, the Libertarian Party presidential candidate once again gets rejected by 99% of the electorate, 1%. They're already factoring in that the, the LP is going to run another candidate with the same reform message of immigration control, save Social Security, save Medicare. They're already factoring that in and giving them 1%. That's what voters are saying. The only thing that can break us out of this in a big way is to restore this brand of principal libertarianism, including open borders, abolish socialism, including Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the entire welfare state, dismantle the warfare state, and restore a limited government republic. From a practical standpoint, that's a vote-getting message. This is what I've been trying to tell the party. It's their message of welfare, warfare, state reform, immigration controls that will continue to garner them a 98 to 99% rejection rate among the American electorate. You know, my, my biggest thing has been consistency. You know, just be consistent. Just say it and believe it and do it and, you know, quit. When they started, this was about, you remember Arizona and our battles with the National Party over whatever, because we were getting a lot of attention. We were doing a lot of work. So they had to, you know, slap it down. Not, you know, not, you know, definitely not Arizona libertarian. I mean, that's a little bit too libertarian, you know, kind of thing. And um, it was all about votes, raising money, uh, membership numbers, all these other metrics other than advocating for freedom. And the reason that the Libertarian Party started, as I remember, was, um, you know, it's Nixon, you know, 72 election cycle around in there. They do OSHA, wage and price controls off the gold standard. They do all this. They say, whoa, 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 we're freaking so done, man. We're, we'll, we'll start another party. We need to come over here. So the Democrats going, oh, they're kind of right wing. Well, they abandoned the Republican ideology. They just go, no, we're, no. So 
of course, the right would see libertarian as left. The left would see. And then when we went on, Charles Goyette and I went on Air America, you know, as talk show hosts and so on. When we do that, you know, the Drobneys that started Air America, we have libertarians on their morning show. And then I did an afternoon thing. And what happened was they thought that we were libertarians because we were against the war. Once we started doing the show and, the, you know, getting into it and everything, they, whoa, 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 whoa. You're against entitlements? You're against Medicare? You're against food? You're against, you're against, you're against? Yeah, libertarian and contract. <laughs> I mean, you know, but after just a few months, it, we were the most popular of all of the shows locally in Arizona kicked butt on Air America's national whatever. Why? Because the people supported it. The people understood. This is not about freedom or even the people desire for it it's about this side versus that side it's the same old story same old story same old song and dance. the shire free church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches the shire free church is an interfaith diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me. Ernest Hancock on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis, talking to Jacob Hornberger, founder, director of the Future of Freedom Foundation at FFF.org. FFF.org. There, is been, there has been a lot of conversation over the definition of what is really libertarianism. And it changes as you, you know, talk to the party, but the philosophy and the beginning of the party and the beginning of the rhetoric and the principles espoused and so on have been really championed by our guest Jacob Hornberger. It's just so refreshing to have a consistent voice. Well, that's Jacob Hornberger, and he's using a controversial issue that's important to him, open borders, to define and describe how principle brings us to that. Now, whether you agree with it or not, that's not even the point. The point is understanding the thought process of many libertarians so that you know what their answer is going to be to whatever issue. How how refreshing would that be? You know, regardless of what happens around the world, you know what their stance is and why. It's consistency with principle. Jacob Hornberger, enjoy. This is not about freedom or even the people desire for it it's about this side versus that side how can we you know use this media outlet to support 
the D vote? How can we use this media outlet to support the Republican vote? How can we do How can we? It was never about what it's supposed to be about, freedom of the individual. The only purpose, I went just this last weekend, you may remember you know, a, a gentleman, a good friend, uh, Greg Tivenin. He's a farmer in Bunker, Missouri now. And he used to live in uh, the Phoenix area. And when the golf courses started getting too close to his desert home, he goes, and I'm at. I'm out of here. You know, that, that, that's a good telltale sign. We're getting a little too gentrified. So he's in a desert area, sold his place, moved on a farm, raised his two home birth uh, daughters there. Okay? Everything's fine. We were there just last week for one of the older daughter's wedding. Well, his whole thing was, you know, freedom's the answer was to question two to the point of an anarchist. I mean, big time. Now, he had a four-day camping trip after the wedding. A bunch of the guys that he had, the Bushmaster, you know, forum of Dave from states around. Once a year, they go and do like a four-day camping thing. And I went for two days of it. Yo, what's up? To hang with, you know, Greg and friends while we stayed there. So when we went there, you know, I, I just went. And the girls, they went and did whatever the heck they did. So we're there. I'm talking. It's a wide swath of people. Now, of course, they're, you know, very conservative, Trumpy, kind of maybe not necessarily Trump, but definitely Republican on that side. One was a retired police officer from Iowa, and the other was a police officer that was um, uh, representative of the union to the government of politicians of legislature kind of thing. So interesting conversations, proper role of government. Yes, I'm that libertarian, having exactly this kind of conversation. How does it go with them? By the next day, they're all like coming up to him. Hey, and you know, that's good points. Never thought because they never really think this through. They're just with a bunch of like-minded, supported friends and whoever has the loudest voice. Well, I got a loud voice. So I'm just like, at least get heard. To get them to think that freedom could be an answer to the most major big problems is a, is, is a drill that can get through a thick skull. It's just like, look, when you advocate for this, you're going to get this, like a police state. When you advocate for this, eventually it turns into this. Every single time. So for Jacob Hornberger to run for president nominee of the Libertarian Party, whether he prevails or not, is not even the point to me. You're still voting? It's For me, it is that somebody has got to be that libertarian. Somebody has got to espouse what true freedom is. If you don't, it will just cease to exist, go away, and what the hell is the Libertarian Party good for anyway? If they're not there representing the conscience of everyone, what this country was about, why it exists, and why it became so prosperous. I tell this story all the time. It took my son. We were building the roof on an orphanage south of the border, kind of church thing. Doesn't matter. But as we go, I'm saying, look at this artificial, this line in the sand, literally, a line in the sand, the desert. I go, paved roads, Circle K's right over there, Walmart's a couple miles that way. Guy, it's all good. We cross this line, watch what happens. Boom! Dirt roads, mangy dogs, families living in uh, abandoned cars and junkyards. Literally. Which is why they had the orphanage. So I'm going, this is what changed protection of property rights. It was a property right thing. You know, if you're not there, protect my individual rights, then what the hell good are you? 
This is what it devolves to. Every time that you have to have some kind of government control to fix something you want fixed, if it violates the rights, liberty, uh, life, liberty, property, uh, pursuit of happiness of another human being, it's a bad thing. It's always a bad thing. And when you give government the authority to do it, it just becomes a big bad thing. So this is so fundamental, duh. So with that, I ask you, Jacob, define what's a bad thing and what is this freedom that we're supposed to get from the United States government. What is that? Give me a fundamental base that I can match everything, all issues to. So I can go, Jacob's going to, I already know what he's going to say because his principles are what? Well, first of all, let me just say, Ernie, that I'm really glad to to hear you talk like this. I mean, it's refreshing. Uh, There's a large segment of Americans that are thirsting for leadership in this country. Everybody knows this country's in really bad shape. And there's a sector out there that is saying, we need leadership to get out of this morass. And the libertarian philosophy and the libertarian party can provide that leadership, but only by adhering to our principles. And what I find fascinating in the Libertarian Party is that there there are members who consider our principles, the genuine principles, which I espouse. You know, nobody ever criticizes or attacks me in the Libertarian Party for violating Libertarian principles. They attack me for adhering to Libertarian principles because they're convinced that they're a liability. They're an albatross. They're going to drag down a candidate. No, they Um, want us to be convinced of that. Well, there are libertarians that are convinced of that, which which I find very bizarre. You know, why would you join a party when you think the party's principles are a negative? I mean, why not go to a party where your principles are there so you could get excited about it? No, because they, they want us to be convinced of it. They they want us on their side. They want us to support them. We got money from Wall Street, if only. We got all this, you know, some big tech guy going, "Woo! You can buy the party. Oh, the Koch brothers, here they come. Oh, we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to. I got and then really what Oh man, I can go on and on and on. I've had personal experience with this stuff. They are not in support of libertarian principles. They're in support of ballot access. They're in support of being paid to whittle down libertarian principles because they're a threat to their real masters. They are, we are under attack. The Libertarian Party has always been under attack. If we were to do Jacob Hornberger from way back when and espouse these principles, the entire country would evolve towards that because they would see the rightness, the correctness, the real role of a proper role of government in our lives. That is what they can't have. You have to have the looming four horsemen of the apocalypse over your head to justify why we need police state control. That is fear, 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 fear is the mind killer. That's why the beginning, of the, you know, it's a Morpheus speech from Matrix, in case you guys didn't know, why we're not afraid. I'm not afraid. I just choose not to be afraid. I'm not afraid of that. You know, well, maybe I need to carry my gun more, and now I'm not afraid of it. I mean, whatever. You know, freedom's the answer. What's the question? To have a libertarian candidate come on this show, that's why I don't interview them. They just piss me off. Now we just get into an argument. It's nice to advocate for Jacob here because I know his mindset. You know, the Future of Freedom Foundation, you know. So this, yeah, tell us about FFF a little bit because you got a long history with them. 
Well, let me just follow up on what you're saying. You see, part of the big problem in this from a political standpoint is that the target audience for LP presidential candidates for the last 25 years has been the Republican Party. Uh, You go back to Gary Johnson, who is a Republican. He comes in, he declares himself a libertarian. He keeps his same Republican principles. Those are now redefined. Yeah, well, their their positions are redefined as libertarian. Bob Barr, oh my God! (laughs) That's created this foundation for LP presidential candidates to feel comfortable calling for Republican positions because they're targeting Republicans for votes. That's their target audience. What I say is, forget that. Republicans are never going to cross party lines. We know that. If they were going to cross party lines... Johnson would have gotten this huge upsurge of votes when he first ran. I think it was in 2012 or so. Um, they did not come out for him because people do not cross party lines. What I'm saying is we need to find our own set of disgruntled voters, people that are looking for leadership. And the the primary market for this, Ernie, is the 50% of people who don't vote. There's a reason they don't vote. Yep. They think they know the whole system stinks. And so when you run an LP presidential candidate that says, I want to privatize and save Social Security, I want to gradually reduce it over the next 40 years. That means I don't live under freedom for the next 40 years of my life. That is not an option for me. Or we got to just keep Medicare, but have health savings accounts. Well, again, they're saying we got to preserve socialism, which is the Republican position. We have to have immigration controls, which is the Republican position. Those positions cannot get the attention of these 50 percent who don't vote because they understand that the Libertarian Party is just part of the system. It's part of the problem. But if you run a candidate that stands for genuine libertarian principles, which means dismantle all this crud, all of a sudden that force out there of those 50% starts to move. They start raising their eyebrows and saying, oh, wait a minute, now I've got a candidate It is speaking my language, now I'm going to go to the polls and I'm going to take the time to vote. And that's where we break through the standard 99% rejection rate that the electorate continues to give us. In other words, like I I said in a speech recently at the Cape Fear North Carolina Libertarian Party that's on my campaign website at jacobforliberty.com, LP presidential candidates, time after time, go in selling, and so are the the congressional candidates, because the issues are the same, selling the political equivalent of a mud pie. It's it's a welfare, warfare, state, reform, Republican-like mud pie. And every time they say, oh, well, Jacob, the the reason people are not buying our mud pies, we haven't gotten our message out. I say that's not true. The reason they're not buying your mud pies because you've got a bad message and that that that's that's the problem. Now, sometimes you'll put a raspberry in the mud pie or it's another can put a blueberry, but it's still a mud pie. And that Spoons in order for us sugar, to break make out the mud pie go down, you know, I'm oh, I'm, I'm with you, man. Sorry, what we that. need to do is restore the brand of principal libertarianism on which this this party was founded. And that's how we lead America to freedom. And that's how we garner a large number of votes. That's how we finally break out of this one percent category where ninety nine percent of the American people continue to say we 
We are not going to buy this mud pie that you continue trying to sell to us. If we restore our brand of principle libertarianism, which is what I've been saying is our biggest asset for 30 years in this party, our, our principles are assets. They're not liabilities. They're not an albatross. That will enable us to break out to 10 or 15% of the vote. You know, this is when, it, in my mind, you know, as you experience it and you go back and the history and stuff that happened over the 30 years I've been doing this. The Libertarian Party was not headquartered in Washington, D.C. up until they wanted to be headquartered in Washington, D.C., which was the first problem. OK, they want to be invited to the uh, Republican Democratic Christmas Party list of somebody. Something. I don't know what the heck is going on. But the thing is, is that they were always I've run for national chair several times and it was just to point this stuff out. I, I vote, smoke, don't care. You know, the 50 state parties get together and I get the endorsement of whatever, don't care. Because I knew that wasn't going to make a difference. The real money, you could buy the Libertarian Party for ten, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 at the right time to some place to do the kind of get. And then it's all about delegates. When Jacob ran for president last time, oh, okay, here comes the Jacob criticism. All right, here we go. All right, get ready. When he ran for president, um, when was that? Uh, 12? Was that 12 that you ran? No, in 2000. 2000 was the first no, time, no, and then three years ago, three years ago I ran. Okay, so well, I remember, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, so it was recently, you know, the, the yeah, most recent it, one, not, it, not Yeah, it was 2020, 2020. Okay, so 2020. I mean, two, 2000, yeah. When he ran then, I was, because um, the, the one in 2000 was kind of a last minute, it wasn't a long campaign, it kind of came out exactly. at the convention. Right. So that nah, don't really count. They're just, just like, he's like, man, we can do better, I'll, I'll do better, I mean, yeah. So, um, so, twenty twenty, when that came out, the the advocacy for Jacob by me was strong. I was like, you know, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. But I'm still, I'm by then, I'm in the mindset. Who gives a crap what the United States America Inc. says and does about me? I go find me a state. You know, this I, I I take care of Arizona. I'll, I'll work on whatever the hell. I am just so done with national anything. You know this 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 welfare warfare big state. It was inevitable that this was going to happen. When you consolidate power, who's going to be in charge of? Who wants it? Who gets it? Those are willing to do anything to get the brass ring. Well, then who does that attract? people that'll do anything to get the brass ring. Well, who are they? Sociopaths, psychopaths, scumbag, no empathy, pieces of crap. You know, the pointy horn, pointy fang, blood dripping, pointy tail people. That's who. So I am just done with that. I am just like, don't care. But if you're going to have a party of principle, a party that represents the proper role of God, a party that represents free, a party that, you know, freedom's the answer, what's the question? Well, then do it. I'm going to point out your hypocrisy, piece of crap that you guys are. But really, really, because they are—they have a void inside their chest. They need uh, affirmation. They need acceptance by their mother-in-law. Okay, they need somebody to tell them it's okay to be libertarian if only you would. 
or you would get more money, or you would get more position, or you'd live better, or you, or you, or you, or you, as opposed to freedom being the answer, as opposed to a free society. They just want their share of the brass. Let me hold it for a little while. My precious. I mean, you know, this is, I can see it. You know, I, I can see it. They don't want to chuck the ring in the fires of mortar like everybody should be doing. You know, they want, well, I want a chance to be invisible for a minute. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'll give it back. You know, this is, I, I can see it. These kinds of people. Now, there are strong, hardcore libertarians, fortunately, that oftentimes make up a majority in the, uh, even the conventions. You know, it's just, but. The National Libertarian Party Convention has turned into this. It's the high school dance where all the hardcore libertarians go to find out where the real party is. <laughs> and then they do activism outside the party. They do it. It's over here. It's over here. It's over here. It's over here. But that's kind of a liberty nexus that people will go. But those people become less and less and less, and you get more of the influence that in a local areas around the states and around the world for libertarian philosophy, like Javier Millet in Argentina that's about ready to kick ass and may be a hardcore freaking Jacob Hornberger, president of Argentina, is happening right now. That election is like days away or something, isn't it? You know? Yeah, so, I think so. So this is, libertarianism is common because it doesn't have a choice. This does not work, and we are in such debt. Got to talk about the debt. What is the libertarian president they going to do about the debt? We got to we'll pay off the debt. We're going to mortgage the debt, inflate the debt. What are we going to do about the debt? We got United States of America. We saved America. Libertarians are now in charge of United States of America Inc. And we're going to we're going to do what with the debt, Jacob? Well, let me just address first of all that way you're talking about with respect to the party. Um, you know, I argued for the last three years minimum that what what the focus of the party hierarchy ought to be is the restoration of this pure libertarian brand, that, that that's where we can lead America, is by restoring the original libertarian brand. And we'd actually have and an audience now. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, this is my, my whole point of this campaign. This is what distinguishes my campaign from all the others. That are really just variations of each other, welfare, warfare, state reform. And you can see this directionless, rudderless ship when some of the party hierarchy was actually supporting the idea of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. coming in and becoming our nominee. Why? Votes, Jacob. Votes. Publicity, Jacob. Publicity. This is a big government, liberal, gun grabbing Democrat. And there were people in the party hierarchy or in the upper echelons of the party that were saying this is a shortcut way for ballot access and stuff this would be a disaster because every american would know what the libertarian party the party of principle had done they'd sold out their principles in order to get votes now on the other side this is another interesting phenomenon there's the right wing leaning libertarians that would love to see ron DeSantis come in if he loses against Trump and become uh, entered come in into the into our party like Gary Johnson and become our nominee and call him a libertarian and they've endorsed DeSantis and think oh he's 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 libertarian Jacob he's libertarian he's as far from libertarian as Trump is but but what I'm showing is that there's this 
there, there's this lack of direction. And here is the answer right in front of everybody's eyes in this party. And every member of this party needs to do some soul searching is what do you want out of life? What do you want out of the party? And I say that if you do that soul searching, your answer is going to be what you keep saying. The answer is freedom. How do we achieve a free society? How do we lead America to freedom? And who is the best presidential candidate to represent this party and tell the American people what we really stand for, the genuine principles, not the Republican life positions, not the reform-oriented positions that reform the welfare warfare state and immigration controls and the drug war and so forth. What are the genuine principles of liberty? And I, and if that's somebody else, that's fine. But if, if somebody says, well, I think Jacob's the, the, the one to do that, then I'm, that's why I'm vying for your vote. But that's the soul searching, Ernie, that every member of this party needs to undergo. Okay, why that, would they not vote for Jacob Hornberger and those, you know, to advocate for the hardcore application, uh, advocation of the libertarian message? You know, they said, no, 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 we can't do Jacob because he because he would do that. He would do it. He'd really do that. Not Jacob. Man. We don't want that because he would advocate for that. Why? Who are these people? Well, they consider that these principles that I'm enunciating are liabilities. They're saying Jacob would take the party back, even though the, the candidates that espouse the reform message continue to be rejected at a 98 to 99 percent vote rate among the electorate. It's the exact opposite. I mean, what do voters have to finally tell us to say, we don't like your message? And, and let me tell you something, Ernie. I'm in the 98 to 99 percent. I reject this message, too. It's a bad message. I will vote libertarian to get our numbers up. I always have just to get our numbers up. But voting. if I had to vote on the message, I wouldn't vote for the message of these candidates because it's a bad message. And the American voters know it's a bad message, which is why they continue to reject us at a 98 to 99 percent rejection rate. If we run a campaign of pure principle, that goes out the window. Now we've got a sector of that electorate that will break us through that and get us into that 10 or 15 percent range. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Take it! No, further. You must take it! You cannot offer me this ring! I'm giving it to you! Don't! Tempt me, Frodo! I dare not take it. Not even to keep it safe. Understand, Frodo. I would use this ring from a desire to do good. But through me, it would wield a power too great and terrible to imagine. But it cannot stay in the Shire. No. No, it can't. What must I do? Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. 
Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Fear here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network. On Genesis, we're finishing up this last hour a conversation with Jacob Hornberger from Future Freedom Foundation, FFF.org, running for the Libertarian nomination for President of the United States of America. Let's have a listen on his stance advocating for freedom and open borders. And interesting conversation. Enjoy. Well, they consider that these principles that I'm enunciating are liabilities. They're saying Jacob would take the party back, even though the the candidates that espouse the reform message continue to be rejected at a 98 to 99 percent vote rate among the electorate. It's the exact opposite. I mean, what do voters have to finally tell us to say, we don't like your message? And and let me tell you something, Ernie. I'm in the 98 to 99 percent. I reject this message, too. It's a bad message. I will vote Libertarian to get our numbers up. I always have, just to get our numbers up. But if I had to vote on the message, I wouldn't vote for the message of these candidates because it's a bad message. And the American voters know it's a bad message, which is why they continue to reject us at a 98 to 99 percent rejection rate. If we run a campaign of pure principle, that goes out the window. Now we've got a sector of that electorate that will break us through that and get us into that 10 or 15% range. I have a tough road to hoe here, uh, Ernie. I would say that out of the six main candidates, I'm probably six, but I got several months to try to get this party to shift in the direction of principles. I mean, look, what was the second issue you showed on my website? You showed open the borders is the top issue. It's one of the distinguishing characteristics of my campaign. It incorporates every aspect of freedom and socialism. The party members can make a choice, a clear cut choice. Now, what's the second issue? Repeal, Repeal Social, Social Security. Security. Okay. 
here's your crown jewel of American socialism. And and my opponents say, oh, we can't repeal this immediately. We yeah, have then to you gradually reduce. I'm sorry? Then you hate old people. Exactly. You hate seniors, you hate the poor, and so forth, which is Medicare right there, Medicaid. Um, I say get rid of this socialism now because I want to live in a free society. You can't live in a free society if you got socialism for the next 40 years. But I also, reinforcing what you said, have faith in freedom. There's no doubt in my mind that you could repeal this socialist program today and everybody'd be fine. A lot of seniors don't need the money. They're wealthy. Other seniors might have to go back to work. There's nothing wrong with that. It keeps you young out there in the marketplace. The Save their third group, the third group is people who are desperately in need of help. Okay, how do you solve that problem? Well, you got children and grandchildren who are no longer having to pay FICA taxes or income taxes to support this welfare state. That's a large amount of money. That's a big raise overnight. There's church groups. I mean, the churches of America are filled with people. You can't convince me that they wouldn't go help out seniors that really need help. There's grant-making foundations. No, it's illegal. You're not allowed to feed the homeless, help the people. You Where's your permit? (laughs) I mean, this is what we got to restore in this country, a faith in freedom. Instead of a faith in the government, the coercive apparatus of the IRS and the Social Security Administration and the Medicare Administration. In other words, let's 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 lead America in the conviction that freedom really does work. And this is where my opponents falter. They send the message that freedom doesn't work, that we got to gradually reduce socialism. Well, you know, Vernie, Ernie, when you and I were in our 20s and somebody was saying, well, let's gradually reduce socialism till we get rid of it for 50 years. Okay, that puts us in our 70s. We don't have that luxury. I don't want freedom 50 years from now. I want freedom now. And that means making the case for freedom now. And that's what every LP member's got to decide. What do you want out of life? What do you want out of this party? You want freedom 50 years from now? Or do you want freedom now? Yeah, let me address your point about the platform, because that's really interesting about gutting the platform, because it reflects everything I've been saying. And and it relates to, uh, as an answer to your last question as well regarding the, the direction that Mises Caucus is taking the party and so forth. That when, when, when I was first asked to join the party in 1990, it was by a California activist named Bill Evers. And he called me up. I just started the Future of Freedom Foundation. He knew that I had started a foundation that presented a totally principled message on libertarianism. And he says, I want you to join the platform committee of the Libertarian Party. And I said, no. And he says, why? And I said, because it's a political party. And I didn't know much about the LP. And I said, it's a political party. They're just compromising principles to, to get votes. And I'm not interested in that. It's, it's principles that will lead America to liberty. And he says, well, have you read the party platform? And I said, no. And he says, let me send it to you. So he sends me the party platform, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm stunned. I mean, it's a pure libertarian manifesto. Abolish immigration controls, abolish the CIA, abolish the FBI, dismantle Medicare, Social Security. And I'm, like, stunned. And so I call him up, and I say, Bill, I was wrong. I I would be proud to be a member of the platform committee of this party and a member of this party. I didn't ask how many members they had, how much money they had. How many votes they get? Right. It didn't matter to didn't me. Matter. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a part of this party. But I noticed each time I served on the platform committee, and I served three terms, there were people that were coming in saying, 
we got to delete these these principles. We got to water them down because they're costing our candidates votes. And I said, well, that's pure nonsense. Uh, but my argument was our platforms are protection against those candidates that are out there misleading right. people about what Thank we stand you. for. Well, then they they later gutted out, for example, the two provisions on abolishing the FBI and the CIA. Now, why did they do that? To appease Republicans. And this is what your point about Bob Barr. They wanted, this is what the whole thrust of the party still is today. We got to go after the Republican Party. Now, interestingly enough, some of my opponents are now calling for the abolition of the FBI. But that's only because Donald Trump has made it popular. If Trump had not started calling for the abolition of the FBI, neither would some of these other libertarians. Some of them are also calling now for the abolition of the CIA. But notice that these two planks are no longer in the platform. That reflects what I've been arguing about, that there's this move toward a right-wing direction. And it's still there. They're trying to get Republican votes. They call it the Ron Paul revolution. Okay, we all admire Ron Paul. We, we we look at him as a real model of libertarian philosophy. But the fact is that those voters that came for Ron Paul that surged up were Republicans. And there's this fantasy within the party and the Mises caucus that those Ron Paul voters are still out there and they're going to come over and vote for the right wing leaning libertarian party candidate that is trying to appease Republicans. It's never going to happen. They're not going to cross party lines. We have to find our own group of disgruntled voters. And that means those 50% that don't vote. And the only way they're going to come out is for a principled message of libertarianism. They're never going to come out for this reform, trying to appease Republican message, because that's part of the system. This is why we continue to get a 1% vote in congressional races, presidential races, because we're not targeting the people using our assets, Ernie. Our assets are our, our principles. By adhering to our principles, that's how we break into the 10 or 15% category. And that's where I say the party should be moving, including the Mises Caucus. And I got endorsed by the Mises Caucus three years ago. And I can guarantee you, I'm going to be fighting for every vote of every single member of the Mises Caucus this time around, regardless of the fact that they've endorsed somebody else this time around, because every Libertarian Party member and every member of the Mises Caucus has to do soul searching like everybody else and says, what do I want to do? Do I want to follow the leader or do I want to vote for the candidate who is best able to go to the American people with what our principles are with the aim of leading America to freedom? Well, the, the principal area they leak is immigration controls. I mean, they support immigration socialism, like I've been saying. They're appealing to the right wing. They think they're going to get the right wing vote. Now, of course, Democrats believe in this system, too. But when you look at people like DeSantis and Trump and Abbott in Texas, this is their big issue. The, the, the wall, the immigration controls secure the border. And so this is where the other my opponents stand in favor of this immigration position of the Republicans. Now, imagine they're in the presidential debate. You know, just put put that in your mind, because we often say, oh, the, the LP presidential candidate should be in the debate. And the moderator says, where do you stand on immigration? What What's the LP president standard LP presidential candidate, the one with the standard reform message going to say? He's going to say, 
I stand with President Trump here on the stage that we need to secure our border. And I agree with President Biden here that we need to secure our border. We libertarians want to continue with this system of immigration socialism, even though we call ourselves the party of liberty and the party of principle. We believe in liberty and socialism at the same time, and we're going to make this system work, along with the police state that comes with it. Ernie, who's going to vote for that that message? I would never vote for that message. Now, Republicans would vote for that message, except that they're all going to go with Trump. And so where is the natural constituency for that libertarian presidential candidate? It is non-existent because he's not going to shake this 50% of people that don't vote, that big block, which I think is a goldmine of votes. He's not going to shake them into voting, taking the time to go vote. So that's where you end up with the 1%. And like I ended uh, uh, said earlier, the Wall Street Journal poll right now puts the Libertarian Party presidential candidate at the standard 1% because they're factoring in this same standard reform message that we've been running for at least 25 years. Okay, we got George Soros comes out and he says, we need we need open border according to World Economic Forum of George Soros of Klaus of whatever. Do they really? You know, what's that border going to look like when they're in charge, Jacob? <laughs> oh, it's going to be a controlled system. Yep. It's only the libertarians. You know, and th- this is the thing about it. This is why I joined this party, is that we are the hope for mankind with, with respect to liberty in general. But especially these people that are dying on the border. I mean, this, this I, I'm proud to be part of the party. We're the beacon of light for these people. We're the beacon of hope. Um, and if that beacon, if that light goes out, if it's extinguished and we run another candidate, especially one that's fanatical in favor of immigration controls, it'll be a dark day in the history of this party because that light is extinguished. Then it, it was the same thing that when they, when they got rid of the plank that, that called for the abolition of the CIA, I guarantee you the CIA uncorked the champagne bottles because now there was no longer a political party in this country that was calling for its abolition. And it's the most evil agency in American history. There's no doubt about that. From the beginning. And we, we have to keep this beacon of light open that this is the party of liberty. This is the party of economic liberty, free markets, freedom of association. We have to lead America out of this morass and becoming like a Republican is the exact opposite way to do it. Well, let, let me let me first amplify on your point on Argentina, because it really does hold the, the key to what we need to do right now uh, with respect to the Libertarian Party and leading America to freedom. That, that, you know, if you look at 1890 America, that's my favorite period of time, 1890 to about 1910. I wish I would have been born in that time because you had no income tax, no IRS, no Social Security, no Medicare, no welfare state, no immigration controls, no drug war, no gun control. I mean, that's that's as closest we've ever come to a free society. Now, there were violations. There was the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890. Women didn't have the right to vote and so forth. But this is the closest we've ever come to the, to the principles that we enunciate. Well, it turns out that Argentina copied that system in the uh, early uh, 1900s. Um, and uh, they had this tremendous uh, amount of prosperity. I mean, Buenos Aires was the second largest, most prosperous city on the eastern seaboard, second only to New York. And then Perón comes in and does like Roosevelt did and converted the system to a welfare state and to, later to a warfare state. And, but 
but there's always been this undertone of libertarianism, principle libertarianism. Um, there, there's a guy named Alberto Benegas Lynch that was leading the way there, doing the educational things like you and I do. Ludwig, he, they invited Ludwig von Mises and Leonard Reed, the founder of the Foundation for Economic Edu- Education down there, to give lectures in the 1950s or 60s. Um, Mises's lectures are, are encapsulated in a little book called Economic Policy that is still very good. What this guy is doing, Malay, is he's capitalizing on all the educational work that has been done under the, under the radar screen that you couldn't see, um, that was, has been going on for decades from this group that I've been talking about, Alberto Benegas Lynch and a lot of other people there. They have think tanks and educational foundations. Well, this is what we have here in the United States. Uh, Ernie, we've been working in these vineyards for 50 years. I mean, think tanks, educational foundations under the radar screen. The time is right to be leading America with our principles. This is the worst possible time to reject our principles. We need to run a presidential campaign of pure libertarian principles because that's what will lead America to liberty. Reform it's like slavery reform. If all you had done was reform slavery, you know, fewer lashings, better work conditions, better food. Okay, that improves the lives of the of the slaves, but it's not freedom. And if all you do is reform the welfare state, save Social Security, privatize Medicare health savings accounts, school vouchers, and reform the Pentagon, reform the NSA, reform the CIA, all you've done is reform your serfdom. In order to achieve freedom, you've got to make the case for dismantling of infringements on freedom. You cannot settle for reform of infringements on freedom. And so this is the time. Libertarians need to seize at this particular time in history, after all this this groundwork has been done by people like yourself with your, your radio show and your internet activity, we need to seize on that to lead America to liberty by by adhering to our principles, not turning our backs on our principles. And that's what I say we should do in this presidential race. Let's do something different this time. Let's do something bold. Let's run a campaign that embraces our our principles and sees them as assets in not only leading America to freedom, but in the process garnering a very large number of votes. I'm glad you're doing it, Jacob. I want to, you know, hit on a couple of issues before we go one gun rights you know give me your thing on gun rights well it's simple there should be no restrictions on the ownership of guns whatsoever that um you know many people that advocate for gun rights including among my opponents for this nomination focus only on self-defense the right of self-defense which is clearly part of the right to keep and bear arms but what they don't mention is the right to resist tyranny and and that's the thing that drove the thing? Second Amendment. I'm sorry? That's a self-defense thing? <laughs> well, it is. But they don't talk in terms of that this is an insurance policy against a tyrannical political regime. The the natural sup- supposition is, is that the U.S. government could never become a tyrannical regime. Well, that's pure nonsense. It, it has become a tyrannical regime. And if, if it became overly tyrannical then people have a right to defend themselves from this regime. Uh, so absolutely, a free society necessarily entails the right to keep and bear arms, and there, there ain't no exceptions to this rule. Okay, income tax. Give me, give me you know, the Jacob Hornberger income tax thing. 
get it abolished immediately. You, you cannot have a free society when when uh, the government has the power to seize part of your income and has this tyrannical force called the IRS. Uh, our ancestors understood this. This is why Americans live without income taxation for more than a hundred years. Uh, but just who ditch built it the entirely. roads? Who about the roads? <laughs> we got we got to have roads, man. Yeah, like the big boondoggle of the interstate highway system, which is the biggest socialist project in America. Well, second, maybe to, to Social Security and It Medicare. was Eisenhower's Department of Defense moved missiles around or something. You know, that's yeah, how they, they had to they fund just, it. Yeah, they knew that it wasn't constitutional because our the framers would have never permitted such a thing. So they justified it under the military necessity. And, you know, the, the funny part of that is they said, oh, well, this will enable the military to get around the country quickly if we're invaded. Yeah. Well, the flip side is as it enables an invading force to get around the country. I know. They're talking about, you know, Eisenhower went on about how great and wonderful the Autobahn was. And Germany's gone, man, this was awesome. You know, we were able to invade them really easy. <laughs> Let's exactly. do it at home, you know. I was like, oh, my God. And are we ever going to pay back the debt? What about the national debt? What are you going to do, Jacob? What are we going to do? Well, I think we focus on getting a free society. And, and if the debt can be paid, great. But if if I'm given a choice between abolishing the the income tax and defaulting on the debt or keeping the income tax and the IRS and paying the debt, you know which way I'm going. That when people invest in government bonds, you take your risk, just take like you chances. invest in anything else. You take your chances. And if if people choose to live in a free society and get rid of that income tax and the welfare state that it funds and the warfare state it funds, and there's a default on those bonds, then you just invest in the wrong vehicle. But we should never, ever sacrifice trying to achieve a free society in order to protect the government's indebtedness. Well, clearly it's an unsustainable system. I mean, you, you, you've got a massive welfare state and a warfare state. You got $34 trillion in debt. Um, expenditures are climbing. They still intervene overseas. The national security state has gotten us perilously close to nuclear war over there in Ukraine, which is what they did in 1962 in Cuba. Uh, this is moving in a very, very bad direction. And you're right. At some point, the big crack up could take place. Uh, now, you, you, timing is you, you can't predict when you just know that some this system is unsustainable, which is why we shouldn't wait for the big crash to happen. This is why we need to lead America out of this morass now with libertarian principles. Now, if the big crash were to happen, the only solution to it is libertarianism. But unfortunately, when there's the panic that that happens, like during the Great Depression, people often move toward dictatorship like they did with, with Roosevelt, who came up with his New Deal, which was a combination of socialism and fascism. And so this, but this is the time, Ernie. And if you it just permit me to make another political argument here as to why this message is not only a sound message, a message of principle, it's also a vote-getting message. We take away their freedom, and still they'll roar. The beating heart of Rome is not the marble of the Senate, it's the sand of the Colosseum. You'll bring them death, and they will love him for it. Rhodes? It's the Ernest Hancock Show. Where we're going, there aren't any roads. Welcome back to the final segment of our interview with Jacob Hornberger running for the presidential nomination for the Libertarian Party. 
Um, there was a lot that we I had to edit out for time. If you go to Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com, you can get the full interview. But most of it was just cutting out me, you know. So you didn't miss a whole bunch of Jacob. But there was quite a bit of other stuff. You want to get a full, rounded issue. But there's a way more than enough here for you to get the idea of you can predict what he's going to say. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? Now, the final segment with Jacob Hornberg. I didn't care about that. I'm not like my opponents that target the Republicans for votes. I target the Republicans because for not for votes, but to show that they are equally responsible for the morass in which our country has found itself. The Democrats didn't run a candidate, but the LaRouches did. She clearly got all the Democrat protest votes because I'm calling for the immediate abolition of Social Security, Medicare, the welfare state, like I'm doing today. I got 7% of the statewide vote. Over 106,000 people went to vote for me. This is 20 years ago when people didn't even know what libertarianism was. Why? Because there is a constituency out there that likes this message. 20 years later, I have no doubts that constituency is much larger than 7%. As part of my campaign, I got endorsed by the most prominent black minister in in one of the most prominent ministers in in the country. He got elected to the um, African-American Hall of Fame. His name was John O. Peterson. He was the pastor of the Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria. He knew I couldn't win, but he looked at my principles abolish immigration controls, abolish Social Security, abolish Medicaid. And he said, Mr. Hornberger, I'm endorsing you. Here's my letter of endorsement. I want you to take this to every black minister in the state. I have no doubts, Ernie, to this day that a large portion of those 106,000 votes that I got were from black voters. This is a goldmine of votes for us, but they will vote only for a principled message, not one that is calling for Republican light, reform oriented messages, which, by the way, all of which violate the pledge that you were talking about of not initiating force or fraud. Yep. Every one of those things privatize Social Security, gradually reduce it, Medicare, uh, immigration controls. They all violate the pledge that we've all taken as LP members. Okay, I, I, I made the mistake of clicking a button here. Okay, look at this. All right, it said more positions. Boom. Oh, man, here we go. All right, all right, all right. We're going to do this. This is like a Warshak test. Okay, we're going to go real quick. You, you can only do one sentence to make a point, you know, skip to the end. That means get rid of the national security state form of governmental structure that the federal government was converted to after World War II. The Pentagon, the vast military industrial complex, the empire of both domestic and military and foreign military bases, the CIA and the NSA, get rid of it all and restore a limited government republic, which was our founding governmental system, with just a small basic military force. Restore the republic, get away from military industrial complex up. All right. So now let's go which to... Gets, which, by the way, gets rid of the foreign wars, too, that you were talking Boom. about earlier. Boom. The root cause of the foreign wars is the national security establishment. Okay, no nuclear war. Can we just say, ah, let's not have a war? Because no war. I'm against the next war. Boom. 
Don? Well, no, that's what's going on in Ukraine. It's a proxy war. They're using Ukraine as a proxy against Russia. They want regime change. They don't like Putin. And they're willing to risk nuclear war for this, why? just like they did in Who gives a crap about Russia and Putin? Why, why, you know, somebody in Oklahoma give a crap about what happens in Russia? Why, why would we care? They invading us? Because it's a matter of control. They, the Pentagon wants to control the world. For and who? that means putting their people in public office in other countries. And and when Putin is independent, they're saying, we don't want that. We want a lackey there. We need to get rid of him, even if we have to r- risk nuclear war, which is what they who? did in 1962. For who? For who? We got for, a lackey for them. For who? Who's them? They uh, them those will leave me the alone? Na- for, for the Pentagon, the CIA, the NSA, they, they were the ones in charge, the national security state. There's a great book by... Well, this is another area where I, I my campaign is distinguishable from my opponents in this race. They all favor school choice and competition and improving the public schools and, you know, vouchers. That's that's a classic socialist Republican Party uh, platform position. Uh, it takes money from one group of people and gives it to another group of people. The freedom position, there's only one freedom libertarian position, and that is gov- get government out of education entirely. Uh, you know, a lot of my opponents say, oh, well, let's run people for school boards. Well, that's just trying to get libertarians to run socialism better. What we've got to do is make the case for separating school and state. And that's why I think that that's what our presidential candidate should be doing is explaining to people what liberty really means. And in the educational arena, there's only one answer, and that's the separation of school and state, just as our ancestors separated church and state. Get government entirely out of education. Keep government entirely out of religion. All right. Separate health care and state. All right. I need, I need, I need, I'm poor, I'm going to die, I need, I got to have. Uh, and each one of these has a video of you, you know, talking about it. You see, I wanted every American to see what libertarians stand for. Now, I knew that that looking at our principles as liabilities would find abhorrent. Oh, my gosh, Jacob's telling people what we really stand for. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I want people to see where we stand for. These are our assets. This this is what I would run on if I were the presidential nominee, and and the 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 reform oriented Republican light wing would say, oh my gosh, he's going to cost us votes. I'm my position is the exact opposite. It's these principles that will garner a large number of votes. That was my whole point of running those primaries and winning seven out of nine, and 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 running for Senate and get seven percent of the statewide vote, hundred and six thousand people. These were my positions. People love these positions. A block of people do. And that was my point. You asked about my campaign strategy this time around. There's this concept in the party that people just don't know what our reform message is. And so to get attention, they use things like profanity, inflammatory statements, what's called macho flash, to get people to look at their their reform-oriented position. My position is, People know what the reform position is and simply reject it. It's a bad message. So this time around, I announced in February, and what I've been doing since then is putting short videos on my website going after Democrats and Republicans in a very principled way. They make a statement. I attack them on it, not in a personal sense, 
but to show libertarians that you can run a campaign of principle without resorting to profanity, the F word, which is very popular among uh, the reform-oriented libertarians trying to get attention for their message, uh, inflammatory statements, macho flash, no personal attacks whatsoever on my website. And so that's my campaign strategy this time around. Now, once the debate season starts, then we'll start going hand-to-hand with respect to to competitors for the nomination. But as of right now, I'd like everybody to go to my website, look at my video blog section, and see how I would wage a campaign against Democrats and Republicans with these kind of positions right here that we're talking about. You know, we got uh, abortion. Oh, got to do abortion. All right, wait, 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 wait. All right. What's your abortion deal, man? Well, I'm Catholic and, and therefore I'm pro-life. I believe life begins at conception. Uh, but, you know, the with Roe versus Wade being repealed, it's now at a state level. Uh, like it or not, it's going to be by majority vote. That's the way it is. And, and uh, nothing's going to change. That's going to be the system from here on out. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I think there's problems with both sides, Democrats and Republicans, like re- Republicans say they're pro-life. Well, really, let's look at, at children overseas, like in Iraq, when they were killing mass numbers of children with their sanctions, hundreds of thousands of children. Madeleine Albright, a Democrat, said, oh, the deaths of half a million uh, Iraqi children from our sanctions is worth it. Uh, Republicans didn't condemn that statement. And so that there, so there's a lot of hypocrisy in this abortion thing because how can you be pro-life when you don't care about foreign children and how many children you kill with sanctions? Um, yeah, so, but are they then, America children? We don't care exactly. about non-America children. <laughs> exactly, and and so there's a lot of hypocrisy in this abortion debate. Um, but that's my position. I'm pro-life. I'm I'm Catholic, and that's just the way it is. And Let's just let each each state decide by majority vote. There's really no other way it's going to happen from here on out. All right, we can get deep into that, but that, that's good enough. All right, issue pardons. What the hell does that mean? Well, uh, the, the president doesn't really have the authority to do fundamental changes in terms of abolishing departments and agencies. I know some of my opponents... Um, say that they're going to be a libertarian dictator and just get in there and start abolishing departments and agencies. And that's not, that clearly wouldn't work because they would have been impeached and convicted shortly after they started doing such things and removed from office immediately. But what the president can do is issue pardons. And they, the president should clearly pardon every single nonviolent drug offender, every nonviolent offender in the federal system. Um, and, and that would send a powerful message that we need to get rid of these drug laws, uh, which is what, what Congress has to do. They, they have to repeal these drug laws and then the, the president signs it into, into law. Uh, Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, Ross Ulbricht, immediate pardons for these guys. That sends a message to the national security state that we don't care about your, your beloved little system where you're, you've got your dark side secrets that these, these individuals, uh, Snowden and, and um, Assange, revealed that that's their so-called crime, revealing these dark side secrets. So you send a message real clear to them. This is where Trump faltered. Yep. Uh, Trump says, oh, he's going to stand up against the national security state. That's nonsense. He he surrendered to the national security state. And it and it's and the surrender was not only going over to the CIA headquarters and bending the knee and kissing the ring and then surrounding himself with John Bolton and all the generals. 
the real clear message was when he refused to issue pardons for Assange and Snowden, even while he was uh, pardoning his little cronies, as well as the fact that he continued the CIA's cover-up of the JFK JFK assassination by granting the CIA's request to keep its assassination related records secret. And he promised that he was going to do that. That was one of my big things. That's right. He said he was going to do it. He didn't do it. Shut up. That's right. That's exactly right. He surrendered to them and he'll surrender again, which is why you just can't trust this guy, especially with a reelection. Uh, so that, and then you, you pardon your, your nonviolent offenders with respect to illegal immigration. You just pardon them immediately. Send a message to the immigration service and the border patrol. You arrest them. I'm going to pardon them. Now they can still deport. It's a civil offense, but it does send a message that you want this system to be brought to an immediate stop. And that's what distinguishes another thing that distinguishes me from all of my opponents in this race. They will not issue that kind of repeal for a nonviolent offense, which is what crossing the border is. It's a nonviolent offense. I'm the only one that would issue a pardon right there. So you you take these kind of things and you send messages to people. Okay, that, I can hey, hear the people, you know, the conservatives out there freaking out, going, <laughs> yeah, it's a violent, you know, when uh, MS-13 comes and kills and rapes your seven-year-old daughter. You see my point? But libertarians look at it as individuals. Individual, individual, individual. It's not every, Nothing's collective. There is no sins of the father kind of crap. You know, so... What, how do you, how do you respond to people that have suffered pain economically, physically, whatever? Because that's the poster children that they put up on the news. Well, it's like any other criminal offense. We don't put people into jail for preventive offenses. We don't punish people who are innocent because of crimes committed by other people. Ninety nine percent of the immigrants that are coming to the United States are peaceful. Why punish the ninety nine percent? Because one percent initiates violence. They broke you know, we the don't law. Put, They're lawbreakers. That's, well, law yeah, breakers. but the some laws are not worthy of, of of obedience and consent, like drug laws. I mean, they're illegitimate laws. The, the Nazis had illegitimate laws. We wouldn't say, well, the law is the law. It needs to be enforced. Oh, so you open the door. Okay, what's a legitimate law? You got to give me, all right, what's a legitimate law? A, a legitimate law is a law that prohibits or and is going to punish a person that initiates force and vi- force or fraud against another person. Murder, rape, stealing, robbery fraud and the like uh but otherwise people he took my freedom job means- they're coming for your job you know i got that yeah get them how you gonna get them yeah that's not violence there's people flooding in from maryland every day into virginia and uh maybe taking jobs away from people but that's just competition that that's not no, violence that's- competition is a sin <laughs> well, that's what the Marxists say. Yeah, yeah, I know, uh, I know, I know. Let me let me give you an example of this phenomenon. You know, many years ago, there was uh, a couple of guys that were coming in from Maryland, at snipers, and killing Virginians at random. And um, sure, that that's that's bad news. That's that's murder. That's where you want the state to be targeting its attention as compared to was that the one where they attention. were hiding in the trunk and shooting rifles or something. Yeah, 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 that was that was weird, man. That was years but ago. But notice, oh, it was really weird going to a filling station and open and filling up with gas because you didn't know whether you were going to get shot next. But notice that they never closed the border between Virginia and Maryland. They they were almost certain they were coming from Maryland, but they never closed the border to keep us safe. 
because people understood that you don't you don't sacrifice liberty for the sake of security. Um, so they they caught these guys because of a, a person in the private sector saw them at, parked at a park and, saw, and recognized the vehicle was suspicious. Um, but they got they got prosecuted and they they got I think they got life sentences, maybe even death sentences. But that's the way it works. You go after the the malefactors, the violent people. You don't punish all the people crossing the border peacefully. And nine eleven was there. a perfect example. It was a crime that should have been investigated like that. But no, it's justification for we got to do a war. We got to do. You know, they're always looking for an excuse to something. All right, the environment. Are you environmentalist? Well, I do uh, am concerned about the environment, and I and I do uh, consider protecting the earth and and wildlife and so forth. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a hiker, I'm a cyclist. I, I do believe in these kind of things. I just don't want the government to do it. They're, I mean, the government's the biggest polluter in the world. Look what they were doing with nuclear bombs for years, polluting the atmosphere, polluting underground um, sites with all their nuclear bombs. How can you entrust a government that does that with the environment? I say leave it to the private sector. Uh, private sector groups are much, much better uh, protecting in, in the environment. I, you know, I grew up in South Texas. Ranchers that owned their ranches were more protective of their ranches than the government ever would be. And even with when they had an oil company come in and drill on their land, they would make sure in their leases that, boy, you you restore our land to pristine condition after you drill that well. And that's what we need to do is restore private ownership. You, all that land out west, privatize it. It's just massive socialism. Don't entrust the environment to the government. Occupy the EPA the is one of the most. <laughs> you know, yeah, get is, rid of the EPA. Well, you know, the thing is, is that when you do um, uh, the interest of the government, you know, if it's in private hands, well, they won't have the national interest they're not the <laughs> national what the hell does that even mean i thought national interest was freedom for the people no 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 you got it wrong it's national interest of whatever the hell they they say for the national national of national and i'm like wow this is it's gone so far wrong we need jacob all right in economic regulations i mean that's pretty an easy one. Oh, what do we got here LGBTQ, and you probably spelled it right, or maybe wrong. I think there's some more initials need to go after that, you know? So I'm just like, um, all right, give me your LBGT alphabet soup position, whatever, go. Well, you know, this party, the Libertarian Party, has long been known um, as a party of tolerance. You know, we we protect the, the rights of the minority, the rights of the oppressed, and so forth. And um, there, there's people in this party that, that are off on bashing transgenders and bashing gay people and bashing people that live their lifestyles in a way that is different from the majority. And I'll tell you, if, if this party ever gets that image of where we're, we're not only a right wing party, but we're an extreme right wing party that goes after people because they happen to live their lives in a way different from everybody else. That's going to be the end of the Libertarian Party, that we have to be the party that protects the the, the minority, the, the oppressed, the ones that that are unpopular. And that's the image that we've got to send out to this party, that we protect the rights of adults to do what they want with respect to their own body, whether it's ingesting drugs or changing their sexual identity. That's their business. 
It's the same with gays. That If gays live their lives in a way that's different from heterosexuals, that is their right. In order to achieve freedom, you know, people say in the party, we have to convince Americans to become libertarians. Well, the first challenge we have is here in this party, we have to adhere to our principles if we expect Americans to come to liberty. And welfare, warfare, state reform, Social Security, COVID, health care, if all you're going to do is reform the system, immigration controls, just reform the system, you're not achieving freedom any more than slavery uh, reform would achieve freedom for slaves. In order to lead America to freedom, we libertarians need to adhere to our principles. And so whether I can accomplish that and convince 51% of the delegates to say, look, this is a bad message that we've been running over here. This is why we keep getting this 99% rejection rate. Not because people don't know about our message. It's because voters reject this reform uh, message. But if we can restore this brand of principle libertarianism, and if I can convince 51% of the delegates, then I win. If I can't, then I lose. It's that simple. But I'm arguing the way you're arguing, Ernie. The way we achieve not only a free society, but also garner a large number of votes in this party is restoring our original brand of principal libertarianism and run a presidential candidate that makes that case to the American people. Somebody needs to. And I'm glad that you came on and, you know, answered all my questions, you know, withstood the, you know, the the ninja gauntlet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and we got to know Jacob. Share it, spread it, send it around. You want to know what's up, Jacob Hornberger. Final word, Jacob. Ernie, I just want to tell you that how much I value our friendship. We go back a long ways, and you know your your kindness and your nice words. You just, they they mean so much to me. I, I would like to clone you and flood the Libertarian Party with Ernie Hancox because this is what we need. You've got the passion. You've got the vision. You've got the principles. Uh, this, this, you are what I envision is the ideal for the Libertarian Party. Is it people that are excited about our principles? It's what drew passionate me to it. about our principles. It's what drew me to it. This is why I'm a Libertarian. I mean, me too. You know, yeah, exactly. And then they go playing politics. Oh man, don't piss me off. You're losing the best people advocating, you know, for this position because they're worried about what freaking some psychopath wants. Who's got the money? Who has the influence? Who has you know the press coverage? Who's we'll do this if you? And that was no more evident than Bill Weld, Bob Barr. I'm just like, oh God, you guys get some self confidence. You know, it's come, you know, you know, human up a little bit, you freaking whips. You know, Jacob Hornberger, an interesting campaign year for a president of America. You'll just say it. You guys pay attention. It's going to be a thing. Pace. I'm going to miss you, Major. You aren't ready to stay dead. You don't know the rules of the game anymore. Tell me about it. Eight years ago, this guy was on the hit list. Budget cuts, dear. Congress blinded us overseas. I was forced to turn to any eyes and ears I could find, even if that meant recruiting the quote-unquote bad guys here. Budget cuts? Is that what this is about? Operation Honeymoon? You're running a fundraiser. Fundraiser? 1993. 
World Trade Center bombing, remember? During the trial, one of the bombers claimed the CIA had advanced knowledge. <laughs> the diplomat who issued the terrorist visa was CIA. It's not unthinkable they paved the way for the bombing, purely to justify a budget increase. You're telling me that you're going to fake some terrorist thing just to scare some money out of Congress? Well, unfortunately, Mr. Hennessy, I have no idea how to fake killing 4,000 people. So we're just going to have to do it for real. Oh, blame it on the Muslims, naturally. <laughs> that I get my funding. Good night, old girl. Down at the Albion Chopper 1. Song and dance, my friend. It's the same old story, same old story, same old song and some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark ward now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com